Welcome back to the Macabre Academy. Here we are on the Hot Mess Express again because I done fucked up. <laughs> you done fucked up. I did, yes. So, Isn't that from a movie? I don't even it's, know. Um, no, it's from Key and Peel. Oh, okay. is it? You done <laughs> fucked up, A.A. Ron. That's yes. it. Yes. So, <laughs> so the only reason I know that so well is because two of the names mentioned in that skit. So one was Timothy, which is my husband, and then his brother's name is Aaron. So we always call him A.A. Ron. That's so good. (laughs) Okay. Well, let me tell you how we got here and what's going on. So if you're a regular listener and you don't want to talk about suicide, you don't want to talk about cutting, these are our stories. They're not other people's stories. So you don't have to listen to this episode if it's a trigger warning for you. But because on the Macabre Academy, we talk about child rapists, we talk about murderers, we talk about genocides. I mean, we talk about the worst of the worst. I think that nothing should be off the table. Um, And I really wanted to revisit this conversation because I actually found myself really uncomfortable when we were talking about lunatic asylum, when Dex said that she had been a cutter in the past. And I missed an opportunity to listen to her story. And then Brandy sent me a message after she listened to the first episode because she wasn't there for part one. And she has also experienced self-harm cutting as well. So this is a conversation I think we need to have. Um, So I'm going to start real quick with just, I found some statistics because it makes me uncomfortable, but it's very common. It's much more common than I had anticipated. This is like 10% of young people self-harm in one way or another. Um, And that it uh, it could be as high as 20%. And the average age that somebody will start hurting themselves is around 12 So this is something that is, you know, an adolescent thing that can carry into adulthood, like my friend, um, the story I told on the lunatic asylum um, as to why cutting makes me uncomfortable. So Dex, I want to start with you. I want to start with your story. When did you start? What was going on with you? Let's, let's hear it. Um, I don't actually know what, what age I started. Um, I'm pretty certain I was out of high school when I started. Um, There was just, there was a lot of shit going on. And I was, I had high anxiety, high depression. Um, And I don't, I just, I don't know. Something just kind of made me started doing it um, at one point. Like, do you remember the first time? um, No, well. No. Um, Did you so have like my, a preferred implement? Did you have like a trigger? Uh, paper clips. Really? Yeah. You got to work at it with paper clips. So you got to be determined to want to do it. I was going to say that's not the sharpest tool that you could use. Yeah. Um, I only have one scar that um, like is like lets you know if I show it to you um otherwise you can't tell um so my my big issue with the the whole cutting or self-harm 
thing is I remember in high school, um, when I was in high school is kind of when um, the culture transitioned from like goths and punks to emos. And a lot of people would say how emos would self-harm and it was for for attention-seeking behavior. And I know a lot of people don't understand the desire to self-harm. It's because, like, for me, it was because I got to a point where I was so depressed and so numb to emotion, I would do anything to feel anything. And so cutting was my way of releasing some of that numbness to actually just feel something. Now, I was reading statistics that said that not all people self-harm are suicidal, so you, you're using a paperclip, so your intention was not to end your life. It, well, here's the thing. I am suicidal, but it was not, my intention was not to end my life. Okay. Um, but that's because I am, I know well enough that even though I wanted to end my life, one, I'm not, I'm not actually physically capable of it. I know that. Like, I know if there was just some way that I could just very silently put myself to sleep forever, I probably would have done it. Like, if I could have figured out some way to just, like, overdose on anesthetics, mm-hmm. I probably would have just done it. But any way I can do it, I, I, was, I was like, mm, no, I'm good. Um, plus, I was also aware that I was aware, well enough aware that my actions to try to kill myself would not just affect me. They'd infect my entire family. And I was not okay with that. Well, when did you realize that you were like self-harming to the point of detriment? Like when did you go, this is a problem? Um, it was never, for me, it was never self-harming to a point of detriment. It's just, I knew that it was, not okay behavior. I, I, I was aware of what I was doing to myself. And I just kind of had a moment finally one day where I was like, I have to stop this. Mm-hmm. I know that this could eventually evolve into a bigger problem. And so I got my tattoo and went, that's that. Well, tell the story of the tattoo because I wanted to ask, cause I did not know what it meant at all. Um, Okay, so when I was in high school, um, there was one time of year, um, I don't remember it, I could Google it at some point, somebody could Google it, where it was um, to write love on her arm day, and it was for the to write love on her arm movement to stop self-harm, depression, suicide, and teenagers and young adults. So a bunch of us who were depressed, who were, who had anxiety, um, who had self-harm thoughts or self-harm behavior suicidal thoughts we would take sharpies and just on one arm write love all over it and then take pictures and put it on facebook um actually jake gyllenhaal is a big supporter of it um so that's why uh to stop cutting i got to write love on her arm on my wrist which because it is, and that's also why I made it look like I had carved it into me. That's why you chose red ink. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I also chose that wrist because 
Um, what the first guy I had a long-term relationship with, the one time that he broke up with me, he did it in like a really asshole kind of way. Um, so I had taken an exacto blade to my wrist with not entirely the intention to kill myself. Like I wanted to, but I also knew when I did it, I did not do it right. I did not do it deep enough. So there was still kind of that fear there of, of doing it that way. Um, so that's why I got it on that wrist. Now, because mental health and um, self-harm and things like that are such an important thing to me, it really, really bothered me for a while that uh, people in like college and stuff thought I had carved Twilight into my wrist. Oh, no. Because <laughs> fuck those goddamn books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't fuck with my vampires. You know, we're going to get... Goddamn get a, sparkly ass fairy nymphs. I want to get a picture of your tattoo up on the Instagram. I would really love it uh, if our listeners who, if they know anything about this movement, if they're a part of it or you're part of that culture, I want to see those photos coming back of love on your arms and things. Cause I just think that that's a really sweet idea. It's also why I got always keep fighting because always keep fighting was Jared Padalecki's movement that was tagged on. Like he start he created always keep fighting for to write love on her arm to help promote it. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Brandy. So that's, that's another reason, like, that's a real big reason why Supernatural is so important to me, because I started watching it during a very dark time with my relationship with my husband and my marriage, and it saved me through it. Like, during those two years with, like, where me and my husband were not getting along, it was almost to me like being back in some of my darkest days in, in high school and my young adult life and my relationships and watching Supernatural during that time helped me so much. You know, I didn't realize that's what caused your obsession with Supernatural. Like you just told yeah. me that you loved it so much. This is the first time I'm hearing that's why you love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> like that that show and those men and what they do like for their fans and how they are for their fans affects me so much okay brandy your turn yeah story time so i was a lot younger um seventh grade november i don't know what year that was fuck well math is not our strong suit no so. so i graduated in 2013 so do math seventh grade um my Go grandfather back five years. died 2012? Fuck. So long time ago. Yeah. So I was about 12. Mm-hmm. 12, 13. Um, my grandfather died in November. He was one of like the biggest supporters in my life and one of the people who I felt like really cared. And so when he died, um, I kind of just started to spiral. And that's when my depression hit really bad and I mean, I cut all the way through high school, all the way through college, up until 
five years ago. Yeah. When I lost my brother. But, um, I mean, it was just, I had so much going on mm-hmm. and I had no control of anything in my life. And my family is very much the family of just shove it down. It doesn't matter. Like just, it, we're not talking about our mental health. We're not talking about anything. It doesn't matter. You're mm-hmm. fine. So, I mean, it was honestly me crying out for help. Like I remember days where I would take steak knives and run into my bathroom in my bedroom in the basement. And my dad would follow me and just like pound on the door. Steak knives. Steak knives. Those are serrated. Yeah. That's, That's rough. Yeah. Like I was done. Like I was so ready. And my sister and brother would be sitting out there making fun of me. Wait, what? Yeah, like because that's the way our family was, where, oh, she's just doing this for attention. She's not really sad. Nothing's really wrong. She's fine. Your life is perfect. Why are you like this? So for me, mental health still has that stigma of just push it down. It's fine. Like you'll be fine. And I mean, it's just my family doesn't talk about that. There was a Christmas where I went to Christmas Eve at my aunt's house with my wrist ace bandaged because I had cut them so badly. Oh my. No one talks about it to this day. Have you ever no needed stitches from doing Probably, that? Probably, but did I ever go and get them? No, because that would force my parents into one, admitting me into a psych hospital, two, admitting that there was a problem. Mm-hmm. My, my dad was very much like that. He, as far as he was concerned, mental mental health problems were not a thing mm-hmm. they they were not valid like if you had something physically wrong with you you had an actual physical body ailment then he mm-hmm. was all for it but as for as far as mental health there there was no there was nothing wrong with his kids because if there was that meant they were exactly. crazy well that but like so i think for me it was one a way to control everything i was feeling because i could see a problem and that's how I grew up was, oh, well, if there's nothing physically wrong, then there's nothing wrong. So me physically making something wrong was my way of coping. And I mean, I have friends to this day who knew me during that time, and it was awful. Luckily, because I was so young, I think, I don't have the scars. I have like one or two on my wrist that like are so faded you can barely see them. That's what I'm surprised about. Like I didn't catch that either two of you did Mm -hmm. those because I have dated and I've been around people with some horrific white scars up and down, sideways, which Mm -hmm. ways. I mean, it fucking looks like chicken wire. I mean, that's also why I'm more like self-conscious about like my thighs because I would do it on my thighs because people will look at your arms they know so you try to hide it mm -hmm. okay like i would cut my stomach open i would cut my thighs it was areas that i knew people wouldn't look you said when your brother died it 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 kind of stopped it so what was your moment what what caused you and how did you deal with it to stop doing that i don't know i just stopped i mean i remember going to his funeral and I had to wear a long sleeve dress because it was all up and down my arms. Mm. And that was also right when Ryan and I started dating. 
So Ryan and I dated, started dating in April. My brother died in, in December of the same year. Oh, wow. So I think it was, I didn't want him to see and be like, oh my God, this bitch is crazy. And like, I mean, honestly, like that's what my brain was, was, oh, they're going to see this and they're going to think I'm crazy. And I just stopped. I mean, there's still days, like when I was, in the really really toxic work environment there were still dates where i just i was Mm -hmm. done and i just wanted to go home and do it oh i i totally understand that Uh, like to this day i don't like i don't remember when i got my tattoo Mm -hmm. um but um especially because like when i was with my one ex-boyfriend um he he's I hesitate to say that he got me started cutting again because while I was cutting myself, it was not because of depression. It Mm -hmm. was not for self-harm purposes. I think it's Um, like a safety blanket after so long. But uh, like when I, when I was cutting for self-harm, when I was cutting for whatever the bizarre ass reason was that I would do it with my ex, like this is going to sound weird. It's going to sound crazy, but I love it. I love the, the feel and the sensation and just doing it. So I don't remember when I got my tattoo, but it, there have been times that it has been incredibly hard, especially Mm -hmm. when I get in, I end up in one of like my deep depression states. Like it is so hard, but, yeah, I just, I look at my tattoos and it's like, don't do it. So what yeah. would you want to tell a listener that might be suffering with self-harm or not aware that it's a problem? Like what, what would you want to share? Because if your family doesn't talk about it, then it's really mm-hmm. important that we talk about it so that exactly. somebody else knows that there's hope, there's a way to stop, there's a silver lining, Get you know, what would you want to pass on? There's other ways to control your feelings. There's other ways to make yourself feel better. There's music. There's reading. There's art. There's so many things that... Because you're going to wake up one day and you're going to see the scars. And you're going to hate yourself. And making more scars is not going to make you hate yourself any less. You know, ladies, I know that yins, when I met you girls, <laughs> yous were, yins are very, like, tough ladies, right? Like, mm-hmm. you play things really close to the chest. And now here you are knowing me since October, sharing these stories. And it's amazing to watch you guys open up and share things with me. And I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm not perfect. And well, I, I love that we're on this adventure together because that's where I found healing with facing my own suicide when I wrote that blog. And it was because of you girls. So I'm hoping that we can pass some of that on to our listeners because this is something that I got out of doing this podcast. Even if it's only five listeners, I don't care. The journey mm-hmm. has been so important to me that I don't have words to express my deepest gratitude that we're here. We're doing this. We're talking about it. It needs to be talked about, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you girls, I I know this is going to sound very cliche, 
<laughs> That's okay. I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. So the best thing, because it helped me a lot recently, it still to this day helps me. Um, the best thing I can tell listeners is always keep fighting because you are not alone. Even if you think you're alone, find a community. I don't care if it's a community of people who used to self-harm, of people who have attempted suicide. Come join the Supernatural family. Like, we're all about including. Or even our family. Mm -hmm. Like, just find a community where you, uh, of individuals, of peers, who you can feel safe discussing things with and reach out to them. Just reach out to people. I'm going to make this video public on YouTube. I'm going to make sure that this is accessible for anybody who needs to find us because we are on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Snapchat. We're on TikTok. We're on, oh, fuck, what else are we on? We have the emails. We got a website you can go to, macabacademy.com, and write us letters, like whatever you need to do to get to us. We have the Discord, too you can get to us. We, we want to mm-hmm. have these conversations with you. We want to be on this ride with you. And if we can help you in any way, let's do this, right? We're a team. We're a tribe. Mm-hmm. We're, we're coven of witches at this point. So, okay. Well, I'm going to, we're going to hop off the express today, but uh, thank you guys for letting me rectify that mistake and teaching me some things. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Have a great week. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons. For updates, please follow the Macabre Academy on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and listen exclusively on Buzzsprout. Soon, we'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts.